Welcome to the Board Game Snobs Podcast. Critically harsh reviews with a touch of class. You caught me off guard. I was. You said you were ready. No, but I was reading. I was looking up a name. What? What name? Fabio. Uh, oh, he was a, quite the model back in the day. Fabio Lapano. Pano. It's the dude that was a designer that designed Merv, which we're not going to talk about this episode, right? We're going to talk about Merv next episode. Merv. Merv. Anyways, this is Jerry. This is Board Game Stops Podcast. Thank you for listening. And oh. We're, this is Gabby. We're starting. I'm also to, here. Thank you for listening. I was about to end Primary this. host. I was about to end us. And Enrique. Hello. Say something funny. Like what? Just tell us a story about yourself or anything that you've heard of. Hmm. Sadly, I do not have such things. Well, think about deeply and then get back to us because we'd really like to hear from you more. For some reasons, your t-shirts have been selling like hotcakes. Yeah. I, I don't know if you know this, but we've merchandised you. Excellent. Yes. So there are sleeveless t-shirts at Sir Meeple. Is it SirMeeple.com? SirMeeple.com. Yes. And by buying these t-shirts, we are donating this money, what little profits they are. What are we donating that money to? Uh, uh, games. And the laptop that's flaming. <laughs> the flaming laptop that we utilize, and we're buying uh, alcohol and games with it. Alcohol. And yes. Alcohol first, because that really fuels everything else. We are going to get a Kickstarter going. Not a Kickstarter. We don't do a Kickstarter. Yeah. Say, like, what, yeah, what, what can we get from 10 people? What is in my drink? It's a gnat. A gnat has flown into my, what is this, Evan Williams? It has not changed yeah. the taste. Don't got, drink it. I'm going to drink the gnat. No, I got the gnat out, but I'm still going to drink this. Have you been drinking on this? I did not drink all... Okay. A gnat fell out of Enrique's mustache into your drink. That's what it was. Oh, thanks. Nat King Cole. Uh, uh, As for other things that have been going on, Gabby, I was going to ask you this. I'm sorry for the hot take. Do we need to turn the air conditioner off? Is that noise? Turn that fan off. That's going to be a noisy thing, isn't it? No, I can't hear that. You can't hear that. Uh, Okay. Why is this not loading? Go ahead. This is a hot take, and I'm sorry. I should ask you about this later because this is sensitive. So we've already done enough hot takes. I've got several hot takes. This is one about you. Me? Yes. So our listeners might not know, but Charday Page is moving out. Oh yeah. She's got an apartment. It's finally time for her <laughs> to fly the coop. She's like what, thirty two? Old she? Twenties. She's twenty four. Twenty four. So Shard is finally gonna go do something with herself. How does that make you feel? I'm very sad. Very, very sad. She was packing up her room, and as I looked at her room, her bare walls, I got sadder and sadder as I saw things coming down. And I was like, this is what it feels like to have your kid move out. Yeah, she doesn't love you enough to stay with you. (laughs) What's wrong with you? (laughs) Yeah, she's moving out. I've laid on all the guilt trips that you're supposed to do. What what have you done so far? I was like, why? Do you not love me? 
Why would you move out? Ask her if she's going like, to. Oh, do you not enjoy, uh, uh, you know, helping out and split? Oh, you want to pay full price for rent? Ask her if she if she's going to put you in a nursing home. That's always a. But <laughs> no. Yeah, basically, that's how you monetize how much time she wants to spend with you. She's willing to pay rent, not to be around you. <laughs> Is my time not worth? And then you have the actual. Well, amount. see, what well, here's the deal. She's had several friends like move away, quote unquote friends. Quote unquote friends move away. And they were like, one moved to freaking New York, one's moved to Dallas. And now she's like, <sighs> she's moving. Well, she had plans previously. She's, she, she actually, I'm happy because she was going to move to Miami, Oklahoma. Miami, Oklahoma. And I was like, why there? She's like, she likes the open plains. You mean Florida. Miami, Florida. Uh, like, so now, and I was like, I hope you have a thong, because that's what you have to wear in Miami, right? Instead, she's just moving down the street by Chick-fil-A. She's like two, two blocks away. By Chick-fil-A. Pretty close, yes. Okay, so that's basically it. So so I'm sorry if there that change in your life. That's a sad thing. It is. It's very upsetting, because like, I'm used to just having... She's, like, you, she's like, you're always playing games or podcasts or watching TV. I was like, I know, but I just enjoy your presence in the house. I have a suggestion. What's that? Let Enrique move in with you. <laughs> That'd be a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. I don't think that would get past my wife. No, for some you've reason. got an open room. No, Enrique needs to be independent. No, oh, that's not independent. That's not independent. You're moving away from your parents, and you're moving down. Enrique, you need to talk into the microphone. Oh, sorry. See, uh, he how has, are you he has to... yet to master talking to the microphone. How are you going to move out when you won't even talk into the microphone? It. Like, here we go. I know I've said this like, several like so. times before. There you go. There. Like my nose just like. Well, I know. Okay, so that's I've I've tried to demonstrate this for at least ten other podcasts. Yes, if you're trying four to five, if, you, if you're about to start a podcast, listen closely because Gobby yells at us every single podcast about this. <laughs> Point the microphone within about three to four inches from your mouth, but at a forty-five degree angle. Therefore, your nasal breathing and breathing anytime you breathe out your if you're a mouth breather. It doesn't go directly into the microphone. Right. So if you're a mouth breather and you happen to be on the podcast, <coughs> Frankie, uh, please go ahead and. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. wow. I'm Shots sorry. Fired. I've gotten I've got names of people I'm going to make fun of. So let's check off Frankie. Uh, that's of the Super Board Sunday uh, podcast that I don't listen to, but I hear it's still going on. Uh, if you want to listen to uh, poor opinions about. Oh, board hey, games. I've been meaning to ask. Are we still part of the Gateway Network? We are. Because we never talk about it anymore. I don't really care, but the fact is, is that we... <laughs> that's the whole point. <laughs> I know. Like, we have done our best to prop them up. We've propped them up as much as we can. I'm hoping that we've helped them out to some degree. I'm participating in everything that has to do with the Gateway Network. Okay. I've drank the Kool-Aid. I saw you painting minis. I'm painting minis. I'm painting my heart out. How's that working out? You didn't want a dang thing for They're, the board game snobs. They've got a ringer in there. That's true. They got some ringer who's I want Ben drug test Ben date night. I dice. want him drug test. Taking steroids when he starts painting. That's what it is. He's what got, kind of steroids would they give you for painting? Adderall. Adderall. Adderall's not steroid, but it's close enough. Helps you focus. It does. I take Adderall. It doesn't help me any. Take more. Mm. And if something doesn't work, my suggestion is take more. Your heart will explode. Cocaine. Mm. Is it working? Nope. Take, take more, more. Take more. Sniff a little bit more up. That's not how that works. This okay, so is not how about medical advice? Can you can you take cocaine rectally? You know, everything else works quicker through you the rectum. You can do pretty much anything rectally. Mm, anal intubations. Alcohol. Anal intubations. Uh, actually, like that, it, it's like a thing to not just use your nasal passages. There's a lot of medications now that they use in forms of a spray through your nose. Yeah, I but, heard they're working on a COVID spray through the nose. Hmm. 
Why would you want to shoot COVID up your nose? <laughs> yeah, that's really <laughs> weird. Vaccination. I'm I'm a medical professional. That's making make, make sense. Uh, so do you have banter that you want to cover or do you want me to uh, we're not bantering now what I, is this this is my banter i figured oh you had my. something <laughs> i can't well, i'm not bantering with you i know but this doesn't count no but you always have this weird crap and i just like to get out of the way oh no we don't have to no no i want to i got fired from the calendar factory the other day Fire from the calendar factory. Just for taking a day off. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fine with that. What are Windmill's favorite genre of music? They're big metal fans. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like that one. He liked that one. My ceiling isn't the best, but it's up there. <laughs> what if what happens when you cross an elephant and a rhinoceros? Elephino. See, see, I want to know. See, I can literally come up with any dad joke and you would have it. I went to a new mechanic. They came highly recommended. This is not banter. This is not banter. This is stupid jokes. No. No, this is not banter. I won't banter. I didn't say. You said banter, not that you're going to. I didn't say banter. You said banter. Have you ever heard of Lambanog? You say. I'm asking you a question right now. Have you ever heard of Lambanog? Is that that's that Italian car? It's a tra- traditional <laughs> Lamborghini. Oh, whatever. Traditional Filipino distilled palm liquor mm. made from coconut mm. or nipple palm sap. Nipple palm sap. <laughs> nipple palm sap. That's a great band. Welcome, <laughs> nipple palm sap. Opening for Snake Rectum. What kind of music does Nipple Palm Sap they're, sing? Uh, they're a Peruvian pan flute band. <laughs> they are. Oh, they open for Zamfir then. <laughs> yes, yes. Zamfir, where's he been? I don't know. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta look up Zamfir. Zamfir net worth, what do you say? Uh, like two people are gonna know Zamfir. For me, for, for me. If you know Vance, Vance me or send us a email, boarddainstobs at gmail.com. Oh, Zamfir, oh, one to five million. That's a broad spectrum. That's not bad, though, for a guy that played the pan flute 20 years ago. <laughs> but hey, rock out, man. Pan I mean, he sold albums of pan flute music. All the all the elevator people bought it. It's like, this will be great. Oh, anyway, so I had heard about this. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Enrique was choking on something. You okay, big guy? No, I'm fine. What were you choking on? Just nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. You, you, you Continue the banter, man. You literally so, cannot. So if you do the Heimlich, what's going to come out? <laughs> I, I hate to tell you, you cannot choke on nothing. <laughs> He's expelling there air. There is something to choke on. Your air is thick for a reason. You have mucus or something. You really need to mucinex that. Take care of your body. It originates, Lambanog originates from Luzon Island in the northern Philippines. It's commonly described as coconut vodka. 80 to 90 proof. Anyway, I saw this mentioned somewhere, and I was interested in having some Lambanog. Do we have listeners in the Philippines that can send you some Lambanog? We were number one in the Philippines. 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 What happened? The Philistines. Philippines. You sound like you're a... Uh, 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 I've had some Lambanog. Missy Elliott. Philippines. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know Missy Elliott. You know Missy Elliott? Do you? Yes. Can you flop down, flip it, and reverse it? I, I can't can. remember any of her music. Why is Missy Elliott popular ever? Hey, I liked Missy I stuff. I didn't like Missy at all. You don't like anything. I do love stuff. What? I love a lot of things. Name something you love. Enrique. 
Everyone loves you're just, me, though. You're pandering. I'm not pandering. You're pandering because he's right there. No, I'd say that whether he's here or not. I like Matthew McConaughey. Besides that. I like Matthew McConaughey a lot. <laughs> okay. He's got that. that What's suck. your favorite movie of Matthew McConaughey? Well, I like that Lincoln Lawyer. That Lincoln Lawyer is pretty good. Never seen it. I would see that. I can't hardly do a good Matthew McConaughey impersonation because his, like, his voice comes from the back of his throat. It comes from right up here. And then you have to do this thing. Well, you kind of like, you got to, part of your mouth got to be open just a little bit. You got to kind of like whisper. You got to like that wind come out through your teeth, just like that. You got to talk about armadillos and barbecue. That type uh, of thing. Lincoln cars. Yeah. Then he was the Lincoln lawyer. I know. And then he went on to make commercials for Lincoln. And it was a great, that was a great crossover. I don't know why and he did stakes. Do, do it sooner. And he wants to run for governor of Texas. Let him do whatever. He's got it. Who do y'all have for governor in Oklahoma? Uh, Who knows? Stitt. Who? Governor Stitt. He Stitt? is a business governor. Stitt? Stitt, yes, he is a businessman, and he he ran for governor, and he was not a politician type, and he won, and he's governor Stitt. Never heard of him. Well, of course not. You're not from Oklahoma. I'm not from Oklahoma. I am from Oklahoma. I I'm just don't from, live there we presently. Don't re- we don't recognize you as Oklahoma, though. I am from Oklahoma. You live there. Was but, raised in Oklahoma, but you're not born there. Your experience is not one of an Okie. You're, so you're when such when a you, Texan. When you say you're from somewhere, is it from where you're born or where you spent most of your life or where you're presently? I think it's really what values you encompass. And it's obvious that you're a Texan. Because <laughs> <laughs> as I've often said, I was born in Arkansas. You're large and excessive. I was I was raised in Oklahoma for most of my life. Although, now, oh, good Lord. That's that's incorrect these days because I forget I'm 44 and I've been married for 20 something years. So you're so. officially a Texan. I've been in Texas long when I was Oklahoma. Yeah, you're Texan. No, I was, o- in, no, I was in Oklahoma for 18 years. No true Oklahoman could stand to be in Texas this long. Why? Because Texans have. You know what? Texans They're just awesome. lines on a map. They don't mean anything. No, it's the people, though. You tell, line, that, no. you tell that just, to a Texan. <laughs> just lines on a you map. You'll never meet anybody more in the South. love. Never, one life. never meet anybody Let's more in the South get that is more together and feel all right. You'll See, ne- I'm all about peace and love. No, you'll never. Lines on a map is what divides us. You'll never meet anybody more map pompous makers. in the South than Texans. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not pompous. I pass. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go what? ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm getting away from this subject before I start ranting about how you can't drive. <laughs> I say you. I mean, Texans. I'm a professional driver. Uh, I know. That's what all Texans say. That's though. A- <laughs> oh, oh! You think that's funny? Oh, it's Paul Walker, Texan. Where's he from? Paul Walker? Yeah. Uh, he's a California dude. Mm. Now, the the guy that took his place in Tokyo Drift, I think he's from Texas. Who took his place in Tokyo Drift? But, uh. The guy, oh, uh, that guy, yeah, the guy with the, drift, the, the the country dude, the discount. He's got that that real southern, like he's Louisiana. He was in a Friday Night Lights. Yeah, he was also in NCIS New Orleans. Yes, unfortunately, I had a, I watched an episode of that the other day. That was gone. That Scott Bakula, awful. Scott Bakula has gone to a new low. Like I understood his heyday back in the 80s and then he was on the enterprise there for a little bit that's fine but he has gone downhill this is this he this, was on a enterprise i said a enterprise he you was, said the well there it was the original 
It was I the, don't acknowledge it. NX01, not in my book. It was the original Enterprise. I don't acknowledge the NX01. Well, you don't have to. You can't retcon it. I just did. You don't have the authority. The first Klingons were found in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, not far from your home. Go ahead, Mr. Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> just go ahead and tell us what you acknowledge uh, and you don't. I don't. I do not. The Enterprise. Uh, don't give me. The Star Trek Enterprise. Bad show. It had potential, but it, yeah. It had, it, it, I it, like some of the characters. I like the engineer dude that they killed off at the end of the show. Spoilers. <laughs> I like Scott Bakula. I liked the engineer dude. I like the linguist lady. Okay. I'll come out and say it. I don't like Scott Bakula. Quantum Leap, it was all right. I don't like Scott Bakula. He's, but he so, seems so earnest. He's you didn't a- like him in the replacements? <sighs> no. Was that the one? No. Was that the one? He was no. He was in. No. The, he was, it was uh, another football one. The replacements is uh, that's Keanu Reeves. Keanu and I love Keanu Reeves. Unfortunately, there was a John Wick marathon that was nothing but they played John Wick one, John Wick two, John Wick one, John Wick two all day long until it premiered of John Wick three on the weekend that I was working at the fire department. So guess what? You watched it. No, the entirety of the fire department watched John Wick 1 like three times, John Wick 2 like three times, and then culminated in re-watching John Wick 3 multiple times. I am so tired of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> necessary roughness. Yes, necessary roughness. With uh, <laughs> Sinbad. Sinbad. Whatever happened to Sinbad? He's doing great. He's selling the seven seas. No, Sinbad, he's got his money. He's done. Does Sinbad have his money? Mitt Sinbad. Net worth. Sinbad has got I his bet, money. I bet Sinbad is a five million or below. No, Sinbad's twenty mil easy. Sinbad. Sinbad's twenty net million. Worth. Twenty million. Sinbad five million. Oh. <laughs> What's he been in? What has he been doing? Uh, he ain't done nothing since the nineties. He should have invested, Sinbad. He was I liked him back in the day. Everybody likes Sinbad. He was the one talking about I think he's the one that, like, the first time I heard that joke about, like, you know, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just, like, have to outrun you. Yeah. Like, tripping your best friend. Well, Sinbad was like. He was like, he he's like one of the first clean comics I remember that you well, apparently hate because you hate Jim Gaffigan. No, I don't hate Brian clean comics. I hate Brian Regan. I'd like. Why do you hate? Hate's a strong word. Well, it's because people need to understand what. Hate in the biblical sense can mean love less. Okay, well, I love him less. I love less Brian Regan. I like Gaffigan. He's okay. And Sinbad was all right. He had a special I remember watching. He's all right. Nothing wrong with Sinbad. Gaffigan has based his comic on uh, food. That's nothing wrong with Hot Pockets. It's good. Hot Pockets are great. Nothing wrong with Hot Pockets. I want to talk about... Enrique, what have you been up to? He's been eating Hot Pockets. Oh, well. Now that you say say such things, I I tried to save a uh, kitten... Uh, a couple of weeks ago. You saved a kitten? Oh, wait, 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 I'm getting scared to. at the end of the, end no, of the no, story. No. Let him tell the story. Go ahead, Rick. So basically me and my father got done working at the schools in Boswell. We're coming home. We're getting out of, out of the van and everything. I hear something in the back just crying, just a, like a bawling. Right? In the back of your van? No, in the back of the, of the yard in, at my house. Gotcha. Oh. So I'm like going up there and I all I see is my mother with this like hatchet hatchet thing digging under what? She tried the to shed. kill the cat? She's digging under the shed? Digging the under hatchet? the shed. And you know it, it was raining in Hugh in the Hugo area 
area. Our listeners are well aware of the southeastern Oklahoma torrential rains we've been having the past oh, two yes. weeks. Yes, I should probably said that said that first. It was raining a lot in Hugo uh, a couple of weeks ago, like hard, very hard. This it this was, story doesn't end in the kitten dying, does it? It does not. Okay. <laughs> but, Otherwise, I have to end it right now. Yes, but no, it doesn't. <laughs> I just get scared. So you're digging this cat out that's collapsed underneath your shed. So basically, the cat is under the shed, and there's a bunch of water seeping through under, under the shed. Under the shed. Under the he's shed. He's dead now, the guy who I was. I know, Sebastian. Dead. Sebastian's dead. R.I.P. All I see is my mother just bawling, crying, just said, I killed the cat because I didn't get him under the Couldn't get him out. There's no need to do impersonations on this podcast. It's fun. Did though. you stick your dainty hands underneath the shed? <laughs> I didn't know where the cat was, so I and there was a lot of water under the shed. So I'm I look at dad, I look at my father and say, "Dad, we're cutting a hole in the shed. We're okay. going to just put a big hole in the shed." Okay. And how did you did you punch out. a hole into the floor? Yes. How? Well, we, with your hands. Well, not with my hands, with a saw, obviously. You had a saw. Okay, so you cut a hole in the floor and found the cat. Well, we didn't find the cat. As soon as we got done cutting the hole in, in the shed, my mother apparently sees the cat that we're trying to save in the little doghouse that, that's outside. And he's just like, just, just all scared. It's like, you little punk, we thought you drowned. So you cut a hole in a book. So let me get this straight. You basically thought there was a cat under your shed. You cut because, a hole under your shed, and the cat's not under there. I, I, how I assume what happened is that when the cat heard that song, like just buzzing through the shed, stop that! Ran- <laughs> I don't be making cat noise. Turn that off. Cat sounds are depressing. <laughs> Cats are. Oh, baby, I'm here to save you. But the cat doesn't need your help. A cat's a predator. Yeah. Cats don't need help. But there was a lot under there, though. It's on my phone. Cats don't need any help. They're they're predators. But it was super emotional and super stressful. And so what cat. happened to the cat? He got out. Well, you yeah, know, if, you would, if you'd pay more attention, <laughs> I was to the searching kitten story. sounds. All right, it, yes, the cat got out. We the big buildup. Did he go to the cradle? No, yeah. he he went back to the doghouse. The, the the fact the that we had to house. listen to this long story about a cat. That it culminated in absolutely nothing. nothing. This is this is why you preference your stories with this is either interesting or dynamic or something. It was just uh, words. words. Words about a cat. May I convey some words about a cat? Yes, please, please let me, uh, please let me tell you this story that has no meaning, Ooh, no excitement, and ends exactly how you'll think it would be. <laughs> you know what, Enrique? You're the M Night Shyamalan of this podcast. <laughs> And the twist is, nothing happened. And the twist is, is that we went to pull the cat out. What was the, okay, the only movie of his I'd never watched was The Lady in the Water. Uh, oh, with well, my man. And Paul Giamatti. Yes. How does, what's the twist on that one? The twist is that this guy. That it sucked. Who works out with just one arm. He just does arm curls with one arm like he just has a weight that he sits there so his one arm is huge and he does his purpose are you being serious or are you joking dead serious because i've never seen it i'm dead serious he is the guardian and he is whom the rabid vengeful alien slash spirit dog that's out hunting the lady in the water he's the one that it's afraid of that's the twist 
Okay, I'll have to watch the movie for that to make any sense. Yeah, and I guarantee you, if you watch it, it still won't. <laughs> I was so excited to watch M. Not Shyamalan, to watch The Lady in the Water. And when I went and watched it, I was completely blown away by the fact that, one, the style of it, the presentation of it's very interesting. And you just keep thinking, oh, this is going to get interesting. And it never does. It never really <laughs> it makes what? any sense. Uh, he's coming out with a new movie, Old. I've seen the trailer for that. It's very interesting. I really think it all that. I told you my theory on it. But no, I told you my theory. Don't take that. I, I told you my theory. No, no, I said it's just going to be an episode of Punked. No, I said that's how it ends. No, Ashton Kutcher comes back. And don't think I didn't see you post that somewhere I've been, else. I can post that you all over the place. You stole my joke. I didn't steal your you joke. You did too. Are you? Well, well I did not. <laughs> how <laughs> dare you? I am not the Carlos Mancia of this you podcast. Are. You are. So. No, I didn't steal your joke. So he had Wide Awake. Never heard of that. Ooh, never heard of it. It's his first movie, apparently. 1998. Then The Sixth Sense. He came out swinging. Budget $40 million. Box off $673. Good Lord. Mm. Unbreakable. Nice. Budget $75. Box off is $248. So a severe drop off. That's still really good, though. But then Signs comes back swinging. Budget $72. Box off is $408 million. Yeah, Signs is great. <clears throat> Uh, oh, Joaquin. Then The Village was a, another moderate success. Loved The Village. Here's where we, Lady in the Water, budget $70 million. box office $73 million. A- After he did that, he did The Happening. The Happening was where, next. Where Mark Wahlberg like, forgot to act. <laughs> and fighting tree pollen, apparently. That happens. Every, <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the twist, is every spring... And they didn't realize that the twist was this clarity. <laughs> Flonase. Flonase. <laughs> Flonase to the rescue. Oh, oh my God. Last Airbender. Oh my God. Now that I'm watching the, the, the cartoon, the animation, that's a travesty of a movie. A travesty. It was bad before. What was? The Last Airbender. Oh, I've never watched it. Nor should you. It's absolutely atrocious. Terrible acting. The main dude... Is supposed. To, uh, it's just. It's awful. After Earth, that, that, Will Smith. I didn't know he did that. That's what's midnight. Will and Jaden. Wow. I've never seen that all the way through. I stopped watching it. Wow. I need to watch that just to see how bad it truly is. Now this is where he kind of made his rebound. The visit. I don't remember that. It's where the two kids go to stay with like their grandparents or something. Oh yeah, I and remember. The, I remember it was that like one. weirdly creepy. But, like, really wasn't in, spoiler alert, right? Yeah, 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 I remember that one. And then Split, that's where he hit it big again. But then he lost it at Glass. Glass was atrocious. I, I love Split. I have not watched Glass. Glass was atrocious. y'all told me it was atrocious and that killed me and I won't watch it. But Glass still was a big hit because it... So he went from 100... Okay, so his biggest budget movie was $150 million with Airbender. Universally panned. Then he goes to Split. For nine million, made two seventy nine. Then glass. So glass was still a hit, but I'm I'm anxious to see old. And he's also got like a show on Apple Plus now. But I, I'd like to see old unless it's something like super freaky. Uh, well, I don't know. Everything he does is super freaky. Anyway, speaking of super freaky, if you're the type that wants to get super freaky, uh, I can think of nothing better than playing a role and write. Let me guess. You hate them. Absolutely. I think they are an abomination upon all that is board gaming. So you hate dice placement. Hate dice placement. 
You hate deck building. Deck building. Hate it. Dra- I hate rolling rights. Drafting. Rolling rights. You hate drafting. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot. So what mechanisms left? Negotiation and worker placement. Yeah. Area control. Area control. Okay. Like area control. Like area control. But let me guess. You're fixing to talk about a rolling right that you like. Uh, actually, I am. An bit. exception to the rule. There's Shocker. The rule. Which really, On par for Jerry. Really, that's really what I'm about. Exceptions to rules because I am an exception to the rule. So let me tell you a brief story. There's a man who is a doctor, Dr. Steve Finn. Uh, I don't think he's a medical doctor. I think he's a doctor of psychology. Do you find what's it, up, Doc? Do you find it interesting? Like, okay, so this was a debate that came up months back. About do people. I find it interesting? Never seen it. When <laughs> people who are doctors of certain things are referred to as doctor, doesn't that make you think they're? If I say I'm a doctor, you're. I mean, I generally think medical doctor, right? But that means they can have a PhD in science, right? So, like when someone says arts, when someone says I'm a doctor, I always, I never, ever, ever, and I, I'm, I'm always and never got gotcha. you. I'm always in, I'm in the medical field. So when someone says I'm a doctor, I never go, what you know, I never think that they're a medical doctor. I, I, I ask them what type of doctor. I assume you have a doctorate in something, right? It's like I want to know. So, like when people say, "Oh, you're a doctor," Dash, are you a what? Like you're a medical doctor? No, no, I just assume you have a PhD in something. Anyways, it's just a thing. Is a PhD the right term? Yes, a FUD. Or a doctorate. Is it a doctorate in something? Uh, what does PhD stand for? You're a professor of high doctorates, I think. I don't know. It stands for something. I forget. I thought PhD was in the medical field, but I couldn't No, remember. PhD no is idea. not in the medical field. So it's just you have a PhD in something. Wait a minute. PhD, whatever. And the thing is, is that you're Enrique, either, look it up. either a medical doctor. Yes. He's our producer. Let's rely on Enrique. He's <laughs> always rely on Enrique. Looking up. What is a PhD? Get off of iFunny. Okay. What are you looking what at? Do you got? He's looking very shockingly at his phone. At first, he was going to say something, then he quickly recanted. Not He's looking confused. A doctor of philosophy? A doctor of philosophy, a PhD, is the most common degree in the highest academic level award following a course of study. So you can have, you're a doctor of philosophy. Whoa, what? 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 If you're a PhD. The philosophy of medi- medical? Yeah. Medications? I'm a philosopher. I have a PhD in board games. I'm a doctor of the philosophy of board games. Anyways, Dr. Stephen Finn, Steve Finn, I sent him an email and said, Hey, I seen that you have a new game out called Biblios Quill and Parchment. Your f- previous game, Biblios, I absolutely loved. And he sent me a copy of Biblios Quill and Parchment. I opened it up, and you know what? The In the title, Quill and Parchment... That should give you an idea that it's kind of like roll and write because they quill in a parchment. Uh, so this is basically the different take on Biblios, which certain members of the Board Game Barrage think that's like the greatest game ever. Mark. I, Mark does. Is that the one I like? Which one do I like? Mark <laughs> I don't know which one you I, quote unquote like or don't there's like. Neilan, Neil and Mark. One of those I really like. I can't remember who it is. <laughs> well, to be determined. It's either Mark or Neelan. Well, I don't know. If I figure it out, I'll let you know. <laughs> but one of those dudes really likes Biblios. It's Mark. One of those guys really likes Biblios, the right. original Biblios, which I think is one of the best games ever made. I've played it one time. You brought it over. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It kind of, the mechanism or kind of me, remind, kind of me, kind of me reminded of uh, For Sale. Like it started off with one direction and then you, uh, <laughs> uh, not Harry Styles, then it went another direction. Is that who Harry Styles is? He was One Direction. I was going to ask you who he was. He's, he was in One Direction. Now he's on his own and just doing his own. He, he went Justin Timberlake on One Direction. Is he the talent behind? He's the talented one. Okay. 
Others have tried. Zane, I believe, was one of the other guys. Mm-hmm. Had mild success. So that's what Enrique's... When I say mild success, I mean, you know, that's what multi-millionaire. That's but. what Enrique's going to do. He's going to leave us one of these days. Like, he's never listened to this podcast. He's just going to bust he's out. He's the Harry Styles of the board you game are, snobs. You are Harry, and you have he's no style. Harry. <laughs> um, it's Harry with an eye. Let, let, <laughs> He's not in pain. He doesn't, but he's, he's literally in his phone. No, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. What are you, what the, are you the, the PhD in Docker. He is Docker still on the PhD. Is still getting me. Oh, why? Because, well, I think the doctorate, uh, doctorate degree is mainly the field of, of uh, medicine, while the PhD is a field of philosophy, mainly original ideas from, from what the person themselves has accumulated and... People agree with this type of philosophy. We have so many educated people who listen to this podcast. Denva, she's a professor in Harvard. Why don't people just write in and correct us? Wargamestops at gmail.com. Anyways, Biblios, the original Biblios. If you've not played it, as Gabby was describing it, as like a for sale game. It is this wonderful game where you, you are simply trying to build a set or a collection of books. You are monks taking care of a library. And on your turn, you draw up a certain amount of cards. You're amongst the library? amongst it yeah you drop a uh several cards that generally plus one however many players you keep one you give one to each of the other players and you put one out into the pile everybody does this and you are basically collecting up certain amount of cards that have these books on them that are worth certain amount of points or you're collecting cards that have money on them and then after that phase of the game is over you didn't go to bidding and you bid with the money that you have thus collected on other cards that you threw away at the beginning of the game. And at the end of the game, you figure out who has the most. So anyways, anyways. What? No way you said the most. Well, you keep interrupting me every five minutes. I can't remember I, what I was talking about. You keep interrupting me. Stop interrupting me. Biblios. Don't you holler at me. The thing is about Biblios, I think it's one of the greatest entry-level light bidding Kind of. Uh, what does Biblios even mean? Drafting. It has to do with uh, bibliographies. It has to do with books. Like, books. Yeah. Mm. Like little books. Little uh, books. Anyways. So Tiny books. Biblios is an awesome game. If you've not heard of it and if you can find it, please pick it up. Biblios Quill and Parchment is a roll and write kind of different take on it where you have each player has their own little board that you're writing stuff on. Little boards. Little books. And you're. How's everything little? I guess it's it's what it's meant to be. It's kind of like this whole shrunken down. Well, it's something manageable. Like you're you, mm-hmm. and on your turn, you're rolling dice, kind of Yahtzee style, and you're utilizing these dice as either set collection for building up the books in your library, sending your little uh, novice out to do good. Little deeds, novice, you know? he's little. He's too. a little novice. That's what they call him. You're a little novice around town doing good deeds, but you're also utilizing these influence dice to collect influence, and that's just the first stage of the game. So you're just marking this all down in your on your player board and then the second stage of the game you switch and you bid utilizing the influence that you stored on the first part of the game and you then start bidding on dice and you bid on those dice that have already been rolled and get to do the actions on them so the game kind of shifts to these two different phases just like in the original bibliothes where first one you're kind of managing your hand and giving other people cards and then second phase you're bidding this is kind of similar first round is kind of like a roll and write second round there's some bidding to it uh, like I said, this was really quick. Very interesting how the board is the, your own player board set up to help you with scoring where everything goes. It's obviously designed very well. The components are really nice. 
Oh, those dice are very, very nice. They're like they're just they're they're wooden, but the design on them is very nice. Yes, everything about this game has some very nice artwork. Very nice, very it's, nice. It's it's yeah, classic. The classy. It's very it's very classy, Doctor Finn. Classy uh, Finn, <laughs> medical man. Doctor <laughs> Doctor Finn, medical man. <laughs> it uh, I yes, this is. We have played several. Rolling Rights, we've played. I have played Castles of Burgundy. I don't think Jerry's played that one. Uh, Cartographers. Uh, the Imperial Settlers one. Uh, it was fine. Uh, we played Welcome to. Now, Biblios. Uh, we played a couple of different more, but I don't remember what they were off the top of my head because they weren't worth remembering. I enjoy Castles of Burgundy. It's a, it's a, It has a decent solo in it. And parts of it remind me of this one where you're, of course, the rolling rights, you're marking boxes to score points. A lot of this, I was thinking about that. A lot of rolling rights, you roll dice, you pick a thing, you mark it off, and you hope to mark off more of that thing to reach points. That just seems like a very steady thing in rolling rights. Yeah. It's it's like. You're just running up this particular... Tr- I hope I roll this particular thing because I've already marked off one. I hope I roll another one to mark off the next one to reach a set of points. That seems mundane, but the way this game presents you all these different options and then the way it scores those different... Especially those dice at the end. I don't know how you d- mm-hmm. describe those dice at the end where you get the two times or three times. Yeah, so like what happens is... In the original Biblios, the sets of books, the different colors of books, are scored by these dice. And the dice are just shows how many pips on them, how many victory points those are worth. In this game, in Quill and Parchment, the same mechanic is utilized where you're able to manipulate these dice up and down so that you're adding value or taking away value from certain sets of books. And so at the end of the game, the multiplier is whoever has the most green books whatever they're worth, if they're worth one victory point up to six victory points, whoever has the most, they get those victory points times three. The second person gets that times two. The yeah. third just gets... And um, those can be altered and adjusted. Which depending. is which was the big strategy in the original Bibliothek, so where there were cards that you could kind of mess with the other player's victory points. You could see that they're collecting a certain type of book, and you can drive down the worth of them. Same thing in this game. Uh, I, I went the route of having... Uh, a lot of influence, so I was always able to bid on the dice and get exactly what I wanted, and I completely manipulated the board so that my books were... You really screwed me on those greens. Yes, yes. And then in the end, it ended up... Enrique ended up... Y'all tied. tied. Enrique won. I came in close with four points behind. It's a very tight game, even though we literally all chose different strategies. That's what I liked about this rolling right. It has a variety of strategies. You can travel that dude on the map... You can uh, go up particular tracks and hope you get those bonus points. Uh, you're like holding your thumbs up. I didn't know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm giving you the thumbs oh, up. Okay. I'm like, oh. I, I, I didn't. I didn't want to see. I didn't want to interrupt you and say I agree with you. Oh, I just gave you a <laughs> thumbs you, up. You confused me. Well, I'm. I'm trying. Not, I'm confused with a silent thumbs up. I'm trying not to interrupt you. I know oh, that's a novel thing I, for you I, to understand because you don't you, know how to shut up I when would, other people are talking well, about that. Oh. Shut up, or else I don't get a break. You have nothing to contribute. Wow, you didn't have to go. There. I oh, went no, there. I'm, I'm gonna sit here and sulk. Now. Okay, sit there and sulk. Sit there and sulk. Quill and parchment. I liked it. Enrique, I loved it. Gabby, 
He's he, sulking. He's sulking. He has nothing to contribute. He's calling the sulk. He's turning up the salt. Because you had to put salt on the wound. The incredible salt. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good idea. Well, you'll hate to see me sad. <laughs> you don't want to see me upset. It's a great. What will you do? It's, nothing. It's the, it, <laughs> he just does nothing. He turns all gray. He just turns gray and does nothing. You know, the Hulk was originally. He goes into inaction. <laughs> the Hulk was originally gray. Did you know that? Yes. And so this incredible sulk, when he turns gray and just like he sits around and eats ice cream, and he wears his hoodie. Gets upset. Gets upset. So uh, what I really liked about this game that set it apart from other ones for me is the two different phases of the game. Yes. Because uh, the first phase of the game, where we were learning it. I was like, Biblios was a bidding game. When are we going to get to the bidding? And then we got to the second phase. Like, oh, here's the bidding. And those the number dice that you're rolling whatever they're called. Like I was like, Oh, I see the importance of them now. Cause I didn't really roll them up very high. I was just adding them up as you went along. But of all the rolling rights that we've played and you have, okay. What about your differentiation between this and welcome to? Okay. So this kind of started this thing of me ranting about welcome to, I have often have held up welcome to as being my favorite rolling right with an asterisk, because I don't feel like it is a rolling right. I know I'm being very picky about this, but I do not like it when we attach, when we label games something, and it's not just the exception. It's like there's no dice in, in, in Welcome To. Or cartographers. Or cartographers. So there's a lot of stuff like that that irritates me, but I... I lop Welcome To. So I'm going to do... I'm going to do... But they're thrown in the same category as Rolling Rides. Right. So since that is the case, I'm going to throw them all in here. I was not a big fan of cartographers. Uh, Welcome To has always kind of held the position of being my favorite Rolling Ride. Biblios Quill and Parchment has usurped it. I think that if you are a fan of Rolling Rides, obviously, please give this a look. If you like games like cartographers, I think you're really going to like this. If you are one of those diehard Biblios fans, I think Die. <laughs> I think give this also give this a look as well. Uh, I would, but in terms of ranking them, the original Biblios to me is teetering on being a classic. Like I, I, I feel. Very, oh, was it twenty plus years old? It's getting there. It's getting old. Mm. When was it released? I think it's two thousand fifteen, maybe six to fourteen. Oh, <laughs> five years old. Yeah, it's getting there. But yeah, Biblios is one of those games that I, I wish it was more readily available. Ridley so, Scott. So if you have the ability to pick up the original Biblios, by all means, it is a fantastic... Is it in print? Uh, like I said, I don't know. Biblios 2007. Oh, so yeah, it's getting there. It's getting huh. there. There's a Biblios Dice. Yeah, I had not played Biblios Dice. I don't, Weird. I, I, I saw that when I was doing some research on this game. I don't know. I have not heard the same praise about it. But I will say this. Biblios... This iteration, the Rolling Right, this is a great game. It has great components. I like the artwork on it. Um, yeah, it's good. Took us about 30 minutes. Maybe that. Three player? Yeah, 30, 30 minutes, minutes, three players. That's pretty good. I thoroughly enjoyed this game. We, I did not open this at all, look at it until I got here, opened up the rule book. It gave everybody their parts, just started reading from it, and we understood it. There's also side B of the board that adds some different mechanics to it and changes the game up a little bit. So there is some repel replayability. Very variety. Varietals. You know what? Replayability is uh, one of those things that to me irritates me when people talk about that. Cause nobody plays their games low. I mean, uh, 
cult of the new, especially, is the environment that most board gamers are in. It's like hardly anybody plays their games over and over enough to even warrant replayability. Well, here's the thing. That's one one reason why I think legacy games have gotten so big. But two, I think that there is a large subsect of board gamers that do play their games multiple times and they they have a small collection like if if you were restricted to say okay you're just going to have 10 games in your your collection mm, ooh, that'd be tough. one in and one out ooh, that would be tough. so like every time you got something you had to get rid of something you would you would really distill down and like there are many games here like we like to have a variety obviously but i think at some point in time you get to the point of of like really do you need hundreds of games no no by no means uh my wife has recently well not recently she watched this show on netflix a documentary about minimalism it's all about these guys talking about the benefits of minimalizing the stuff in your life and they refer to stuff and basically how ultimately unimportant it is when you die none of it means anything and this was something and i thought about this especially with board gaming board gaming is one of those uh hobbies that people just dive into and people if it does seem to pander towards those with money I mean, obviously, because you have Kickstarters and stuff like all the Kickstarters now are a hundred dollars. So it's easy to get into board gaming when you have money. And when you really get into it, well, you just want to keep buying board games. You got to have money to buy board games. So you just have this, you build this collection. And in this room here, I probably have 80 games. I'd say 80 just right off the top of my head. I have a Calyx that Jerry bought. Half of these games are his. And if you were to tell me to narrow down, if I was, and she's like, she talked about my room. She's like wanting to do a garage sale. She's culling a bunch of her personal things and, you know, dishes and plates and towels and stuff in the house. She's like, what about your room? And I was like, well, I mean, those games in there, half of those are Jerry's. And I kind of forget which ones are Jerry's, which ones are mine. Cause they've been in here for so long. But if we were to honestly assess our game collection, the ones we have played within the past year, because, hey, having a podcast, the pressure is to play the new hotness. Right. And that's really where we fall down on, is that we there there are many games that we own and play and have purchased that we would not purchase if it wasn't for the podcast. And I, and I like that in a lot of ways, because there are games, and we will talk about one on next podcast, Merv, or whenever we talk about it, uh, that generally I would not have bought and would not have purchased and, and discovered and I find these games, and they're like they they wreck my way of thinking. They're like I, I would not like this game, and then they end up enjoying it thoroughly, and then wanting to keep it, and it falls into that category. So I can't, you cannot judge your collection based on how many times you play a game and how recently you have played it, because quite honestly, if you were to tell me, look, we're to, we, you can keep ten games, I yeah, I can tell you. I mean, I can I can rattle them off and go, yeah, I can I can probably pull out the ten games. Now they're not probably going to be my top ten games, because I'm going to want a variety. When you just have ten games that you have to keep, I'm going to have one that's my premier bidding game. I'm going to have my one that's my premier area control and my premier euro, that type thing. Uh, and as to address your your wife's newfound minimalism, 
uh, my I, I do feel that balance and moderation and everything is important because you do run the risk of, of having a lot of you water down experiences. You never get to quite appreciate something when you don't experience it over again and and really delve down to see the nuances well, of it. I mean, like I have games and uh, there are games in here. OK, I've had Archipelago on the shelf for probably three years. Right. Never played it. Right. And the reason is because you purchased it off of review. And you really didn't want it in the first place. Like I have found that when a game comes in that that is just you know I'm I'm I've got this game because of the podcast. I'm interested in looking at it, but I don't have the thrill to play it. But when I buy a game that I am just I I want to play this game badly. Like this is a game that I'm excited about. It, it doesn't sit on my shelf. Like it's something that we are going to play at the next opportunity, right? And so that's where you fall into this trap of just buying things for the podcast. Now, to answer the counter argument against minimalism, so denying yourself something is one thing, but truly, if this is something you enjoy and you enjoy the variety of it, why not? Well, uh, for me, it comes down to. <clears throat> Time and money, really time, time spent to acquire it versus time able to play it or just enjoy things. So it's like, well, then you're going to get into the whole minimalism thing, which I don't want to do. Just watch the documentaries on Netflix. But their whole thing is like, okay, if you accumulate all this stuff, most people go into debt to accumulate stuff. Right. So then you're working extra to pay for that stuff. And then you'll have time to enjoy the stuff. Right. So, no, that's that's not my point. My point is, and I agree with that. My point is, you have this stuff now. Why get rid of it instead of just stop buying more of uh, which it? Which I have. I have. I have. I've not agreed with myself. Agreed with myself. I'll agree. With I've you. agreed with myself. I I'm not planning on buying anything new. Right. And so the thing that has happened with you that I have noticed is that since you have stopped buying, you have stopped playing. <laughs> really? Yes. Like like used to. I played some solo stuff. I know that. I know. But here's the thing: you used to constantly. I'm barking at this. I'm looking at that, and I'm going on like we've got. You've got games we have not got to play right. from three shipments ago, mm-hmm. and you keep buying and you keep buying, and you were always harassing to play again. We got to play this. We got to play this. Got to play this. Since you have slowed your purchasing purchasing habits down, you will notice that one, your overall board game playing has dropped, and your solo playing though has come up. Mm-hmm. Like you have decided to start learning solos of games that are much harder. That generally you would not do, and I think that is a sign of being able to appreciate a game even more, is just being content with what you have and going back and reliving and playing other games that you've had on yourself for a long time. Mm-hmm. Archipelago has now just become a classic to me in our collection because it is our longest standing <laughs> non-blade game. I have learned this game twice. <laughs> Forgot it since then. Yes, I've taken it home, learned it, brought it to Gobby and said, let's play it. I've done this twice now. And it's gotten to the point to where it's almost like I don't want to play it. <laughs> and gonna, I, you're going to break the seal. I, I want to at least leave it there and, like, and never play it. Not get rid of it. Just never play it. And then one day something occur and it'd be like, yeah, okay, let's get it out and just well, see. That, okay, you hit on a point that I have. I think I said this many, many podcasts ago, maybe when we first started. 
the one of the reasons I always liked having games on my shelf is I always like to have something to look forward to. Right. And I think that is nice, but it also can create issues because it's like, okay, hey, you have to realize, I think I would guarantee, and I did it myself, people go into debt for board games. Yeah, that and that would that's stupid. That, that I don't understand. It's stupid. Because I went into I, there was a period there where my wife unleashed me with my own checking account, and I was just like, <laughs> "All right, yeah," and I just went crazy. I know, I was and there. it was foolish. I was, it was there. foolish. I was telling you it was foolish at the time. And so it took us a while. She st- we stopped. We uh, rejoined accounts. <laughs> And she's like, all right, we paid that crap off. All right, no. I, I am not to be trusted on my own with money because I will just blow crap on stupid games that uh, I couldn't even tell you what I bought. I, I couldn't know. even tell you what I bought during I, that period. I know. You bought the same thing twice. <laughs> I know. I, I, I was there during this, so, this world. And I'm looking at the shelves now. Uh, the Thing, we have never played The Thing together. No, and I was thinking about that the other day, and it's one I desperately want to play. Uh, we have never played, uh, well, we have Archipelago. We've played, Nar- I can look at the shelf and tell the games that we've played once, mm-hmm. and we've had them for a long time. There's a few games over there that you have played that we have not played, so I'm not worried about those because you bought those, and like Trajan, Brexels. But I have games on my shelf that I have played one time, two times, so what you're saying, or no time. So what you're saying is you have stuff to look forward to. I do have stuff to look for. I've had Endeavor on my shelf. I bought that game. You took it home, learned it, played it. You're like, meh. You're talking about Endangered. Endangered, yeah. yeah. And it is meh. But I haven't played it. I set it up, but I never did finish it. Pan Am, we played that once. But anyway, we're getting off topic. But it's just, I have resolved to myself, I'm buying less to zero games. Because I want to replay the games that we have. Which, if you have a podcast, probably not great for. Although there's a podcast uh, that I forget. There's a there's a podcast that entirely does Twilight Imperium Four, and they have a tremendous amount of listeners and followers and downloads. If you go to Cool Stuff and just see that front page of all those faces of people who just talk about Magic the Gathering, yeah, that right there just kills me. That there is one topic. Now, who's the dude that that is on Instagram that does nothing but talk about Smash Up? Smash Up guy. That's literally his thing. I think it's Smash Up. Okay. He just talked about Smash that's Up. All he does is talk about Smash Up. And I was thinking that, like, that is, that's, that's interesting because, like, A, I could never just focus on one game because I, I, okay. For example, after we played Biblios, Jerry and Enrique were like, we could play this again. And I am that guy. I'm like, yeah, we just played it. I'm kind of ready to go on something different. I know, but I don't know why you're like that, though. That'd be I, interesting I don't to know. I, I like to... I, I There's very... And we've said this before. There's very few games that I want to... If there's a game I can play two times in a row, that's a game I will immediately just like... I'm like, okay, we're keeping this. Oh, yeah. But And I, and I that's something that I kind of tune into as well as when we were playing a game and this interesting aspect of it comes up and we're talking about it and it's like, we need to play this again right now. And I like playing a game over and over and over. Like I, I, I It makes it easy when you got it set up on the table yeah, too. Yeah, I, I enjoy having, kind of breaking down, playing a game once and then going back through it immediately and trying something else or, or refining something. It really shows and also breaks the game down. You can find out that the game that you think is rather balanced is not and vice versa. 
But no, I think that obviously one of the reasons we started this podcast was to get people to shy away from being in that zone of just buying up everything and chasing the hotness. And I've fallen down that same path as well, looking at stuff and going, well, I think I'll try this out and try different different areas of the board gaming community till I realize, you know, I'm just I'm not going to be a miniatures gamer. Like I'm I'm never gonna play Warhammer. I don't I'm not interested in that type. There are some games like that that I might, but you know, you just you have to kind of suss out and see what area that you truly enjoy and kind of lean into it. And really just don't waste your time on spending money on every single game that comes out. Redefine what it is that you like to play and stick to it. And only occasionally venture outside of that. And uh, I think there are some rather interesting avenues to do that in, such as with board gaming conventions. That's really where we find some of our greatest games ever is going to conventions and trying things that we normally would not have tried. Yeah, I wish there was like a I wish there was a rent a site. And I know they've tried those before and they don't work out. Because board gaming is especially difficult with all the little pieces, but shipping just and shipping, just try a game before you buy it. But the only place to do that really is at conventions. And that's why we like conventions so much. Right. Anyways, back to Biblios, Quill and Parchment. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's one of those games that if you like, if you like those rolling rights, if you're in that cult and you like doing this whole working on your little player board and running things up. Biblios is actually uh, Quill and Parchment, a great game. I highly suggest the original Biblios if you are able to get your hands on it as well. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And I think this is one that I'm going to keep in my collection. I think I'm going to get my wife to play this with me and see if she, what she thinks about it. Uh, it is a one-to-four player. The two-player... Oh, it does have a solo? Yes, it does have a solo, which oh. I've not tried. The it's two, interesting with bidding games always for me. The two-player does have like some sort of weird adjustment you got to make, but yeah, I, I, this is this is one of those. This is a good one. I like it. I like Enrique, it. Biblios. Loved it. On a scale of one to ten. Uh, a nine. No, <laughs> no, always, he no. Gives everything it's a not nine. a nine. He gives everything a nine. No. <laughs> Give everything a nine. It's a nine. It's not it's a, a nine. Oh. Nine. It's a zero. I'm done <laughs> with talking to you about anything. Zero to ten for me. I'd give it a. I'll give it a. You know what? I've, uh, we discussed this on Discord, but nerd. Seven's like that easy zone. It's like not, seven is like, it's not it up here. It wouldn't be a seven. It's set. not terrible. It be, it's not medium. It's an eight at least. No, no, it's a seven. I'd, I'd say it's a six. Like I enjoy it. Like and I, I, that's high praise for me because I do not like oh, bibliotes, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. writing games. See, I don't like when writing. You games. Claim to hate everything, then when you give something else as high praise, I see your angle. No, there. I just have. I just see have. You going there? I just. What have. do you give? Welcome to. It's tied up there. This one's just barely above it. They're both sixes for me, but this one's a five point nine. This one's just. A, this one's just a nudge above it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Mm-hmm. Next week, we're going to discuss... Wait, wait. Oh, crap. There was something else we were going to discuss with Biblios. I can't think of it. We're not going to do Merv till next week. Merv. There was something else. It was another small... Oh, Star Cartel. I will get it next time. No, no Star Cartel. Star Cartel's with Osprey Games. We'll do it next time. We'll do it live. Uh, do it live. All right, fine. Don't I'm, pressure me. I'm Gabby. This is Enrique. This is Jim. Thank you for listening to the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy.